You're tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and I'm your host Shorbury It'll be fair to assume that most of us living in India are probably very well aware of malaria because that's how long this infection has been a part of our lives. It's found mention in ancient texts. It's been recorded in history for causing millions of deaths all over the world. But in a contemporary world, we don't hear much about malaria from developed countries. The hotspots are largely found in the humid swampy Amazonian basin, some parts of the tropical Southeast Asian region as well, but of course, it's the sub-Saharan region that has a disproportionately high number of malaria infections. And although right now it's COVID-19 that is the talk of town, According to WHO data in 2019 there were an estimated number of 229 million cases of malaria worldwide and the estimated number of malaria deaths that year stood at over 400,000 a bulk of which were reported from African countries. Now it's curable when arrested and diagnosed early on there are also anti-malarial drugs that are used by travelers as preventives very frequently insecticides have also been used to suppress its contagion to an extent But one of the primary reasons for why it hasn't been eradicated yet is because there is no silver bullet against it. As we know, malaria infections spread through bites of infected female anopheles mosquitoes and often they have proven to be resistant to insecticides. But perhaps one of the biggest challenges in fighting this ancient infection has been the parasite's ability to evolve in such a manner that a patient can only build up immunity over time through repeated infections. and even that might not be enough to ensure full immunity 
Dr. Ambarish Datta tells us more about how malaria impacts the human body, why is it so hard to build an immunity against it and why are children so susceptible to it? Uh, malaria is a disease which is caused by a parasite which is called Plasmodium and it has got multiple species of which the species Falciparum is most common mm. in most parts of the world. Mm. And the plasmodium parasite undergoes a complex life cycle in the mosquito as well as in the human being. It's quite a complex phenomenon. Mm. And uh, the plasmodium parasite uh, enters into the blood cells of the, the red blood cells of the individuals where it proliferates mm. and breaks down the red blood cells causing severe uh, fever and other signs of inflammation causes severe anemia and various other ailments in various organs of the body. It's very different from the uh, commonly acquired viral or uh, bacterial disease. I mean, it does not uh, uh, stimulate an immune response from the body when, it, um, when somebody acquires a plasmodium infection. You need repeated infection and so repeated sufferings to get at least uh, a semblance of immunity. And before that, one can succumb to it. Before acquiring that immunity, one can succumb to it. Children are more exposed to the uh, uh, vectors, that is mosquito bites. And uh, they are also susceptible to uh, being uh, exposed to the uh, consequences of breakdown of the red blood cells in the body hmm. and severe malaria. So they hmm. suffer a lot and many of them unfortunately die. And considering these factors, that's exactly why the approval of the world's first vaccine against malaria is so deeply significant. While making the announcement, Dr. Tedros Adhanom, Director General of the World Health Organization, who had started his career as a malaria researcher, said it was a quote-unquote historic moment. Dr. Datta also believes that it's a big step towards bringing down malaria-induced mortality. Uh, malaria is quite a dreadful disease uh, because of malaria in sub-Saharan Africa itself around 0.25 million people, a quarter of a million children hmm. uh, die and innumerable children and individuals suffer. Hmm. So it's one of the most important causes of childhood. So if that can be prevented to hmm. quite an extent by a vaccine be given to which would be administered to children then it's kind of a game changer, isn't it? But let's take a deeper look at the vaccine, what various studies say about it and why it has received a green light. Firstly, according to the European Medicines Agency, moxicurix, when given to children aged between 6 weeks to 17 months, has helped protect against malaria. It also helps protect against the infection of liver with the hepatitis B virus, but should not be used only for this purpose. Secondly, Azra Ghani, chair of infectious diseases at Imperial College London, said that she and her colleagues estimate that giving the malaria vaccine to children in Africa might result in a 30% reduction overall with up to 8 million fewer cases and as many as 40,000 fewer deaths per year. 
Thirdly, data from the pilot program also showed that more than two-thirds of children in the three countries, Ghana, Kenya and Malawi, who are not sleeping under a bed net are benefiting from the vaccine. And lastly, in terms of side effects, well, there are rarely any serious side effects, but a fever that could result in temporary convulsions was one of them. You can read more about the various studies and data outcomes of Moxicorix in a detailed explainer on the same. The link to the story is on this episode's show notes as well as on Quintfit. Now, a couple of questions that might arise amongst those outside the scientific communities. Firstly, why is a vaccine with 40% efficacy being considered as remarkable? And secondly, this vaccine has been more than 30 years in the making. Why did it take so long when we have COVID vaccines being developed in about a year's time? Dr. Datta explains why. Uh, it has only 40% efficacy and it will work only against one malaria species that is one uh, plasmodium species that is Chalcidera, mm. and it's only would be administered to children. Mm. Now, given all these restrictions and constraints, it's still con- it's I would consider it, and many others would consider this as a public health breakthrough, mm. because even with a forty percent reduction in infection and thirty percent reduction in severe form of malaria, which can lead to death. And given the large size of uh, numbers, I mean, large size of the sufferers, uh, I mean, child sufferers uh, of malaria, Mm. even a 40% or a 30% uh, reduction would be humongous. But in the field, in the real uh, life, Mm. real field like field situations, if it is found to be effective also, then I'm sure there would be more development, more work on improving the efficacy of these mm. vaccines. Mm. And, uh, and it's not far uh, that we will uh, really achieve a much higher efficacious vaccine. Talking about the challenges of making the vaccine that works against parasites and why developing this took so much time, he explains that the immune responses to parasites are much slower than what it is for a virus. And that makes it doubly harder to nail a vaccine for malaria. You see, virus uh, triggers immune responses hmm. much uh, instantly as compared to... So, uh, the vaccine for virus also triggers immune responses much more easily than what a vaccine for malaria would. So, that is the difference. That is the main difference between these two. And, uh, of course, uh, one cannot rule out the very reason that malaria largely affects the poorest section of the poorest uh, section of the global population Hmm. living in sub-Saharan Africa and certain other places like South Asia. So, of course, I mean, the the world, uh, the developed world was not too keen was never had put their money and their efforts into developing a vaccine against such a disease. It doesn't affect the developed world. Hmm. I mean, we cannot uh, shy away from that from the, that very fact. Hmm. In the context of comprehensive malaria control, the WHO recommended that the vaccine be injected in four doses to children from five months of age for reduction of malaria disease and burden. The first three shots will be given within one month of each other and the fourth is recommended 18 months after the third. 
And all this is especially a breakthrough for African countries like Tanzania, Burkina Faso, Nigeria, Congo, etc. They were home to 94% of malaria cases and deaths in 2019. Now coming to India, we don't usually find too many reports on malaria infections in the country. Previously, the World Health Organization had also noted that the country had made a remarkable decline in malaria cases. But there are still enough cases to run up to millions. According to WHO, in 2019, India had an estimated 5.6 cases of malaria compared to about 20 million cases in 2020. So how big is this vaccine development for us in India? Yes, you don't hear about a lot of malaria in India, again, because it affects the most impoverished parts of India, the Mm. states like Jharkhand, Odisha, Chhattisgarh. Mm. The media has to share some of the blame for uh, uh, not reporting about malaria hmm. as they would for other diseases. Hmm. You know, even like a disease like dengue because it affects Delhi. Hmm. <laughs> and it, uh, because malaria is confined to the most impoverished parts of the country and also northeast part of India is also hmm. uh, quite, uh, I would say, uh, there's a heavy burden of this disease. Hmm. Yeah, in India, this uh, vaccine, I mean, WHO is not supposed to use this vaccine in India because in India, uh, the falciparum malaria is not the only malarial species that mm-hmm. is prevalent. There are other species which are like vivax. Uh, well, I mean, mainly vivax other than uh, falciparum, which is quite prevalent. Mm-hmm. So that is why this vaccine, and as I told you, this vaccine only works against falciparum malaria. So mm-hmm. uh, currently, there is no suggestion that it would be used in India. As Dr. Datta pointed out, this new vaccine cannot provide immunity against all the existing types of malaria. It may not even be effective against the varieties prevalent in India. But if this is a start, can we expect a malaria-free future? Of course we should. Uh, but at the same time, the, uh, the ongoing anti-malaria activities should be carried out with uh, the same intensity or with heightened intensity, which includes anti uh, vector measures like use of insecticide-treated bed nets, mm. uh, indoor residual spraying, mm. and, and early detection and complete treatment of malaria cases. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts.